Thanks so much for tuning in to NL Newsday here on this Wednesday, June the 30th. Now, as we go through this heat wave, a lot of questions being asked about the Ministry of Health and its role to play in all of this. Of course, we're also soon set to move into step three of the BC Restart Plan. To talk about all of that, please to welcome to the program BC's Minister of Health, Adrian Dix. Minister Dix, how you doing here today? I'm doing well. How are you, Jeff? I'm not too bad. Thanks so much for for taking the time. I guess the one thing we can probably all safely say is we're all feeling pretty hot right now, and I'm imagining it's kind of the the same in your area, given how it seems to be an across-BC problem right now. Just what's the temperature like where you are? It it is. um, I've been working in Victoria this week. We made a couple of uh, announcements, you know, around and did media briefings around uh, the COVID-19 pandemic from here. And it's cooler here today, but uh, 47.3 degrees in Kamloops. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that said, I just wanted to ask a couple of quick questions about the heat because I know it was coming up during your, your, your news conference yesterday. You know, it was a very positive news conference moving on to step three of the BC Restart Plan. You know, that's why I wanted to have you on is is because that's what, uh, you know, we've all been kind of looking forward to here for this last little while. But then this heat wave has kind of come and disrupted all the positivity maybe that comes with that. Um, so just the first thing I wanted to ask was, you know, there were some questions posed to you yesterday about sort of what is the Ministry of Health's responsibility in all of this. Um, so I'll just leave it there. What What is sort of your ministry's, your portfolio's role when we're dealing with extreme heat like this? It wasn't unpredicted, but it did come pretty darn quickly. So is there a response that maybe you should have had to result to help prevent some of the death we've been experiencing or you know where where does your your ministry's involvement come in well i think with respect to um uh unexplained or sudden deaths there's a review going to go on by the coroner and we're going to obviously they're going to look into all of those cases and so it's important to to do that and to take it very seriously and methodically so that we understand uh what happened What happened, of course, across B.C., and this is a broader issue about the climate, are these uh, really unprecedented uh, high temperatures that were sustained over a period of time. And so uh, as we went day and today, uh, it really affects people, particularly those with underlying health conditions. It's why, um, and there was a lot of understanding it would come, but I don't think uh, anybody who, because we haven't experienced that in B.C., quite understood um, uh, as much as we can, the, the day after day effect of uh, temperatures that were in parts of BC in the 40s. What happens is we have a plan in place, and that plan was put in place in the health system. Uh, our BC Emergency Health Services uh, saw unprecedented demands and calls, but just to give you a sense, a record number of calls in the history of the BC Ambulance Service was dispatched on Monday. 1,975 calls went out, and that reflects really um, extraordinary work by ambulance paramedics everywhere in BC. So unprecedented there. For people who receive home support from the province, obviously there's connection to those people in terms of long-term care. Again, it's challenging in some of our older buildings, uh, long-term care buildings, whether they be contracted or in health authorities. But nonetheless, there are staff there working and supporting patients and their plans in place to address um, times of heat. We have made significant adjustments in terms of acute care um, to provide more resources to emergency rooms because we also saw in some health authorities significant increases in the number of people in emergency rooms. I think the challenge during extreme heat 
is not the people who are engaged with the healthcare system, but others who have underlying conditions but uh, are not receiving home support or not connected with us, with the healthcare system. And, uh, and the kind of heat that we've seen over sustained days obviously has a profound effect. And uh, um, the coroner and, of course, all of us are doing a review of that. But what we saw in the midst of a public health emergency was... Uh, in many areas, uh, in terms of total response and unprecedented level of respond, response, and still, obviously, the impact of um, of this heat wave um, will be felt in communities, I think, for a long time, and uh, reflects uh, uh, changes that may be happening in our climate, or are happening in our climate, I should say, are happening in our mm-hmm. climate. That um, that we're going to have to continue to adjust to as people, as individuals, but also as a health system. Um. What, one of the things that we're seeing or hearing a lot about is is the wait times for ambulances. This isn't a new issue, but it just seems to be something that is more on the radar here this week because of all the calls that are coming in as a result of heat-related stress that people are experiencing. I know you talked a little bit yesterday how you're, you're, you're planning to really ramp up the number of, of emergency services that are available, right? Hire more staff and, and make sure that response times can be better. Um, but is this maybe proof that there's inadequate resources or is this a result of just so much extreme um, um, emergencies happening that, you know, the system really was never built to, or designed to respond to this type of call volume? Well, I don't think there's any question. Certainly when I became Minister of Health, uh, some positive changes had happened in the previous decade. As you'll recall, under Minister George Abbott, community, community paramedicine was developed in uh, the 2008-2009 the period, and that was a very positive change. But in general, there was under uh, underfinancing of the ambulance service over that time. So what have we done? Well, we've dramatically increased the budget every year since I've been Minister of Health for the BC Ambulance Service for BC Emergency Health Services, well over tw- twice the rate of the previous government. Since last last fall, for example, hiring 266 more uh, full-time ambulance paramedics, we're posting hundreds of positions on July 2nd. And this is a transformation of the service. You know, this was hugely an on-call service, and in particularly in this labor market, but in the changing life of British Columbia, that was no longer um, to the extent that it existed, and then there's still on-call aspects of the system, realistic. We needed to create um, full-time and many part-time jobs at three-quarters that were um, that uh, enabled us to have a stable ambulance service. So we've massively invested in the ambulance service, and we're going to continue to do that. And uh, um, what uh, what this week uh, demonstrates uh, is the demand from the public. And I'll just take you through a little bit of what's happened in the last year because I think it's significant. In the last year, we saw, uh, on average, a decline in ambulance calls over the period of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. But we were also dealing with the second public health emergency or the first public health emergency because it was declared first, the overdose crisis. So qualitatively, the work has become much harder uh, for ambulance paramedics. And that's also reflected in, um, in sick leave and other things that ambulance paramedics have to take. So these are significant challenges. What's happened really since we restarted is that there are things that are happening in the community that are, we've seen a significant increase before the heat wave. So on June 2nd, we had the third highest number of calls in the history of BC, you know, two highest days being, we've since broken that record in the last few days, the highest being on uh, 
New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Day 2017 and 18, which we understand are high ambulance call days. Um, and uh, but uh, so that indicated as people were returning to many normal activities, that also some of the consequences of that for ambulance service are there. And um, you know we still have um, when you're needing in-person care, and we've seen this. Well, we've moved to a lot of virtual care and primary care. Sometimes people need to see somebody, and that means 911 calls. So what we've seen over this period is an increase in the number of lower acuity calls to the ambulance service, right? And um, and we've been responding to that. Uh, but this is in the midst of two public health emergencies, the COVID-19 emergency and the overdose of public health emergency. And I think that our ambulance paramedics have been uh, under significant stress. So when we went from having two public health emergencies and 12 to 1,300 calls a day to suddenly on Monday 1,975 calls a day, that obviously puts real stress on the system, and we the calls are triaged, and uh, and uh, the work is the work continues to be done. So I think our ambulance paramedics deserve a lot of credit. And um, when people say to me, "Well, you need to put more resources into the ambulance service," um, sometimes you know I think, "Well, you know, um, as someone who called for this before 2017, um, uh, I would say that's been true for a long time, but." When you're seeing the kind of budget increases and hirings we're doing in the ambulance service, it demonstrates its priority, and we just got to keep going. Uh, one more quick question on this, and um, it's just in a response to the, a comment from the Premier yesterday, because he was asked about the heat-related deaths that are being seen right now, particularly in places like Surrey, and one of the things he said was, fatalities are a part of life. I know he regrets his choice of words. Um, it was feeling a little bit callous when he said it. I know he since walked back those comments and sort of stated how he wish he chose a, a better wording to describe what he was trying to say. But did you have sort of a an instant reaction when you heard him say that? Because I know a lot of people were, were kind of upset when he when he voiced those those words. Well, I, I think there was a context to what he said. And, uh, and the Premier, you know, as you said, has since clarified that. And uh, um, obviously, this has been this heat wave uh, that occurs, you know, it's occurred at a time of two public health emergencies, uh, puts a lot of stress on people. This is a very difficult time for people. And uh, the Premier has, I think, uh, uh, led on this and, uh, and uh, put the, the feelings of anxiety that people have into public policy, into our response to the COVID-19 pandemic into the overdose public health emergency and into this. So uh, I think there was a context to what he said. And if you parse it, um, it's different than the, tot- the total totality of what he said. But in, and, he's, um, and he's been clear uh, to clarify that, and we move on. The fact is that um, extreme heat affects people who are most vulnerable to that heat. And everybody knows this, and uh, people know this around the world, the danger of extreme heat to people with underlying health conditions. I'll just give you just a personal example. I have an underlying health condition. I have type 1 diabetes, but I also have and live with uh, my wife, Renee, who's very supportive and more supportive of one another. We didn't have air conditioning, and it was a very challenging weekend. And I was, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine, working on this and other issues really hard, but I'm supported. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, for all of those people who are uh, living alone um, and who may not be supported, in, uh, it's very, very challenging. 
and uh, so uh, we're conscious of that and uh, this is very this uh, heat wave really affected everyone in the province and i think the what it tells us is that um we're entering into a new time. I mean, Lytton, since I can remember, since I was a kid, has been known as the hottest place in Canada, but 49 degrees Celsius is something new, something we haven't seen. And um, the temperatures in Kamloops, the 40, what was it, 47? 47.3 was the high in Kamloops. That's unprecedented. Yeah. And that reflects, I think, what we're facing in the future, and we have to face it together. And uh as with COVID-19, we have to support one another in this. And so if we, and you know, the temperatures are going to come down somewhat, but this is sustained uh, conditions. And so I really encourage people, really encourage people to check in, check in with one another and support one another and uh, in this time, because this is a very challenging time for everybody. All right, uh, Minister, I did uh, want to get to uh, step three of the restart plan. That's the reason we were connecting here in the first place. And then this heat wave sort of changed uh, my priorities a little bit. But let's get to the positive here. So um, I think the first thing that I wanted to ask about is just a little bit of clarity on the whole mask changes. Because, you know, masks as of tomorrow, no longer mandatory, but instead being recommended. I think I'm personally going to be wearing mine fairly regularly, at least until I'm fully vaccinated. Um, is that maybe a target? Target people should look to for removing the mask. Like tomorrow is not just a day to take our masks up and throw them in the air and say this pandemic is over, right? And I think a lot of people out there are probably feeling that might be the case. That's right. Um, I mean, when we announced the restart plan on May 25th, right, we said that we're going to go step by step, and that if case counts uh, continue to be low or declining, and they have been, and I don't mean one day because yesterday was a low day, but I mean the seven-day rolling average, which is a better indicator continues to decline, and it has. That hospitalizations continue to decline, and they have. Those in critical care continue to decline, and they have. That on July 1st, we were going to move from making masks mandatory in indoor public spaces to making them recommended uh, until people are fully immunized. And that's what I suggest people do in indoor public spaces, is to follow the advice and the guidance of public health. We always knew there would be a moment when we moved, and we made a move on some of these orders that all of us have got used to. So this is going to be um, striking for people, I think. But I think um, the recommendation is clear in indoor public spaces, and until you're fully immunized, um, uh, wear a mask. Um, there are a lot of other changes, of course, coming with moving on to step three of the restart plan as of July 1, like the curfew on liquor sales is being lifted, limits on number of people at tables and restaurants and bars being lifted, venues can fill up to 50% capacity or 50 people, depending on which number is higher, um, outdoor venues can welcome more individuals, offices slowly ramping back up to being in the office. There's just a lot to take in here. So I'm just curious if you had any advice for businesses who might be a little bit confused about what they can and cannot do at this point. Uh, I think that the provincial health office and my colleague, uh, Minister Ravi Callan, has been really in deep consultation with business throughout this period. We laid out what our plan would be on May 25th. And in general, I think the response from, from business has been very positive, that we are still in a worldwide pandemic uh, of COVID-19. And this is the next phase of that. And so we continue to have to be cautious and generous and patient with one another, uh, but these these changes have been thought through, and they're based on the science, and we've gone gradually step by step, and this is another step in that. And uh, 
I think um, uh, there's uh, the Irish uh, politician uh, Leo Varadkar says, and he he's Irish, so he says it more profanely than I'm about to say it. But <laughs> COVID nineteen has a way of messing up our plans, you know, and uh, and that's true, and it's actually happening in Ireland right now. So he's correct. He's a deputy prime minister there now. But um, so we have to be cautious and keep learning about COVID-19 because it's a challenge. But, you know, people have responded very positively to immunization. And uh, that's true in Kamloops and everywhere else across BC. Uh, 78% of adults, 77% of those over 12. And our dose two efforts are are, are really moving quickly such that um, we will expect by mid-July to have half of the people of the province with both doses of COVID-19 and 80% plus with their first dose. And those are significant uh, milestones for our effort. I think everyone's done a really good job. And my message to everyone in Kamloops is get immunized. Get immunized because it's in your interest. Get immunized because maybe one day you want to travel outside of Canada. Get it, Get immunized because you love your family and your friends. Get immunized. Get registered and get immunized. Because there are people, when you have 77% of people immunized or 78%, there are 22 to 23% who haven't been yet. Mm-hmm. And some of those are registered and are getting ready to, and we'll get that done. Um, but other people have to do that now. And it's... Um, it's important for them, and it's important for everyone that they do that. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, we're going to continue that message because this summer, well, I'm not going to be briefing on a regular basis with Dr. Henry uh, in the same way. Uh, we'll be out. Uh, Dr. Henry was in Interior Health and Northern Health last week. We're going to be out making sure that everyone gets immunized. Uh, and I suspect as well, Jeff, that, and we've seen this reflected in ambulance calls, that it's going to be an extremely busy summer for healthcare in general, other than COVID-19. So there's, uh, there's lots, of, lots of challenges, lots of things to do. Mm-hmm. Minister Dix, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate you joining me here. It's been a little while, so I'm happy to get you back on. And I know it, it's a- good to say, and uh, 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 next time, yeah, but next time I'm going to have a long thought and thoughtful uh, response to uh, uh, the exciting news for Kamloops about more cancer care uh, and new cancer center coming to Kamloops. So I'll be exciting. So I'm going to. I mean, that's a teaser for our next interview. Okay, perfect. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for this, and uh, enjoy your rest of your Wednesday. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, take care, Jeff.